The third reason is a security reason. If really we have ships or unidentified ships above the French territory, it can be a problem for the national defense and security. If you see a UFO, you call the police or the authorities, and they put you in touch with Japan. Now, the name Japan has changed over the years, but it's all always basically been the same thing. And then they study your case. Welcome to UFO Radio International, investigative podcast show about UFO phenomena. And here is your host, Juliana Marinkovic. In the beginning, I would like to thank everyone who sent uh, their support and feedback to my previous episode with Mr. Luis Elizondo, who was a head of Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification uh, Program located in Pentagon, and uh, that is uh, an official body inside the U.S. Department of Defense with a mandate to investigate uh, UFOs. And to continue with a similar theme, I have decided to release my archived interview from December 2006 with Mr. Jacques Patenet, who was the head of JPAN at the time. JPAN is an official body in France, and the acronym stands for Study Group and Information on Non-Identified Aerospace Phenomenon. JPAN is also part of CNES, which stands for National Center for Space Studies, or in another words, uh, that is a French space agency, a uh, French equivalent of NASA. In that archived interview, you will be able to hear that I asked Jacques about the Cometa report, which was a famous report from 1999 that was published in French magazine uh, VSD. Uh, that report was signed by high-ranking officials, military officers and scientists. It was a semi-official report because the authors are retired, but it is still a very important document from France where authors uh, analyze the UFO phenomena from many aspects and I do encourage you to check on it. I will put a link of English translation in the description of this episode. Uh, authors uh, considered many implications of UFOs, uh, including social aspects and military uh, considerations. On top of that, in that interview, Jacques shared with me that in a few months, uh, JPAN will start to release French UFO documents. And that actually happened in March of 2007, which was a big world uh, news at the time. I would also like to thank Miss Sandra Lally. She was a press officer of French Space Agency and she was kind to arrange this interview for me at the time. It should be also noted that JPAN is a third official body for UFOs in France. It was preceded by previous committees called JPAN and SEPRA. So we will first listen interview with Jacques Patonet, and after that we will discuss UFOs in art, inspired by the works of Japan, and followed by my archived material about CEFA, official body for UFOs in Chile. So, here we go. Dear Mr. Jacques Patonet, it is an honor to have you over the phone. Can you give us, for the beginning, short presentation of your activities and the history of your involvement with French space agency CNES? Oh, I have a, I am an, an engineer in uh, electronic, and uh, I began my uh, my work in CNES from uh, in uh, 1971. 
And uh, I work on a lot of uh, projects uh, of um, satellite. Uh, I work in uh, French Guiana during uh, during seven years uh, for for launching of uh, Ariane launching. And uh, after that, I work in security of the center, etc. In a lot of uh, of jobs, but uh, always in uh, national uh, French National Space Center. What is the history of the official uh, UFO research in France? Can you give us a short summary? How has all started? Yes. Uh, in fact, Japan was created in 1977 in Kness in order, I think, to, to have a civil, a civil uh, official organization for uh, UFO phenomenal security. And uh, I think uh, there were three... There is Always today also three reasons for creating this uh, entity. Uh, first, uh, a scientific one to to try to to explain uh, unknown phenomena. Uh, second one is uh, a, a civic mission uh, in order to give uh, to the public to the population. Uh, an official uh, response uh, in uh, analysis of the, the phenomena. And uh, the third reason is a security reason. Uh, if really we have uh, we have ships or unidentified ships above the French territory, uh, it can be a problem for the, for the national defense and security. After the formation of this official UFO group in France, what was the following development uh, of the research? Uh, yes, the, uh, for the for the 30 years, uh, there is in fact uh, three three phases in the development of uh, of uh, Japan, and uh, after that, Cepra. Uh, the first phase from uh, from 1977 uh, until uh, 79, about 79, was to identify the phenomena where to see uh, all uh, the evidence of, uh, of uh, observation, uh, to see what exists in, the, in this, uh, in this uh, problem, and organize the collect of evidence with, uh, with uh, police, all the, all the police organization, uh, with uh, protocol, in order to collect uh, all the, the documents of uh, evidence uh, collected by, by the police uh, in the French territory. It was the first phase of the organization. After that, the second phase, until uh, 1983, uh, was to establish uh, a scientific methodology in order to see when, uh, how it is possible to study and analyze this uh, this evidence because uh, the phenomena are are not uh, a scientific one. We we cannot uh, reproduce it in uh, in a laboratory, and uh, we have only evidence of uh, of uh, the population, and it's very difficult to to uh, to obtain the, the the real phenomena. What uh, what I mean. In fact, uh, from 1983. We have in the operational phase in the collect, study, and analysis of evidence with uh, the, the application of the, of the methodology, a scientific methodology we, we, we have uh, made.
and uh, from uh, 1977 we have uh, we have collected in fact more than uh, 6000 evidence representing more than uh, 1600 cases of observation what were the most interesting cases in the history of official french ufo research that japan and sepra investigated Probably the most famous case is uh, Trans-Saint-Provence incident, right? Yes, it's the most probably the most famous case in France. But in fact, in France, we we have uh, three cases of uh, of uh, close contact of the population with uh, with an uh, UFO uh, in uh, 1967 in Cusac. Uh, three, uh, two children. Uh, have uh, meted uh, four entities with uh, a sort of uh, spheric ship uh, on uh, on the land, and uh, the ship uh, was uh, uh, start uh, after few 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 minutes. Uh, in uh, in 1981 in Trois en Provence, effectively, a man saw a landing of an ovoid object in this garden. And uh, after the, the, the object uh, is, uh, is started, uh, it, uh, it saw there is marks on the on the ground, and uh, also uh, effect on the vegetation of plants where we are, uh, are dead, uh, just uh, just close to the to the place where the, the object uh, has uh, landed. And uh, the third one in uh, in '82. A uh, man uh, saw during uh, 20 minutes in his garden also an object uh, at above uh, one meter or one uh, one and fifty meter about uh, above the ground, uh, with uh, also possible effect on the vegetation and the plants. During the years of uh, UFO research, uh, was there any contact with some other countries, uh, some kind of international cooperation, maybe? We know that in Chile there is also official group called CEFA that is located on the Technical School of Aeronautics. In, uh, very, in fact, very few contacts in the past with the other, other, other countries because uh, we, we had some problem to, to organize, uh, in fact, the CEPRA in, uh, in France. In, uh, and uh, the, the contacts were, were very, very few. Just, uh, just some contact with uh, with Russia and uh, and China. Uh, but in the future, we we plan to to contact to increase this this contact uh, with uh, with the other country when uh, when we will be uh, well organized in France <laughs> because it's the first priority. Do you maybe have plans to apply your experiences and protocols in other countries in European Union, perhaps? No, there is nothing. Uh, there is nothing in the uh, European Union. We have a, a, a tentative in, uh, in, uh, in the 70 years or something like that. Uh, uh, tentative for for to have a European organization uh, in case of a but uh, it's uh, the, the, this uh, this proposition was was rejected not uh, especially by uh, by uh, Great Britain <laughs> English people. Uh, what is the status of the research now? If I have uh, correctly understood, 
the previous two groups have uh, been closed and now they are replaced with the third body, right? Today, uh, in fact, uh, Japan Sepra uh, is uh, closed and replaced by Japan with uh, with an I. It's a new name and uh, with a new organization, with a steering committee, and uh, we've, uh, we 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 have organized a uh, uh, college uh, with a lot of experts uh, in order to 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 analyze uh, or to analyze uh, all the, the, the evidence. In fact, the, the mandate is the same as the previous one. Uh, is to collect, analyze, and if possible, explain all the evidence of pan. There is two two colleges, a steering committee uh, in which in which we have uh, all the French authority in uh, in police, in uh, civil security, in uh, civil aviation, in also army, uh, etc. All the entities. Uh, are involved in the in the pan in the UFO problem, and the, the other experts are uh, experts of scientific all uh, all kind of uh, of, uh, of scientists astronomy uh, propulsion aeronautics uh, technical it's an, an informal organization it's part of a university these experts come from uh, from industry or from university or from in fact it depends on the volunteers do you have contacts with the authors of the cometa report of of, of, of the Cometa report, too. yes, of course, of course, we, we, we have contact with the, the people which work on the Cometa report, yes. We exchange, we exchange opinion, yes, we, uh, especially now, we, we have to write a, a, a book, in fact, and uh, there is a contribution of, uh, of people of Cometa report. What is the future of uh, Japan, by your opinion? future is, uh, in fact, is continue to to uh, to analyze, uh, collect, and analyze all the evidence. In fact, we we uh, we have also a new mission. It's very important is to communicate with the public. So we will uh, at the beginning of uh, of 2007 uh, a new uh, internet site, where, and we will be open uh, all our archives on the online. Thank you, Jacques, very much for this exclusive information. It was a real honor to speak with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was the end of the recorded interview from 2006. And now we will see how the Japan's work affected popular culture. On October 18, 2017, I interviewed uh, amazing artist from Dublin in Ireland, uh, Mr. Philip Conaton, uh, who was a guest in my companion podcast show, Inspirations. I will put a link of the full interview with Mr. Conaton in the description section. So Philip is the author of the dance opera uh, titled Extraterrestrial Events. This intriguing dance piece is based on UFO cases that were collected by Japan. 
And that dance opera was uh, scheduled to be performed in Cork Opera House on October 24, 2017, but it was unfortunately cancelled. Nevertheless, this is what Philip told me back in October 2017, how he discovered the archives of Japan and how uh, UFO cases inspired him to create this uh, dance piece. So this is my interview with uh, Mr. Philip Conaton. And now we are going into dance opera titled Extraterrestrial Events. While you were touring in France, somehow you were able to discover the existence of Japan. So can you talk a little bit how you got in touch with all these uh, references to this Japan organization of French Space Agency? Yes. Um, so, uh, while I was touring with WAC, um, I think we were in Normandy, in a town in Normandy, and we were in this apartment and, uh, you know, before a show, and there was a Liberation, the French uh, newspaper was there, and I opened it up, and I'd been thinking that I wanted to uh, deal um, with the idea of truth or lack of truth in a piece. And I had initially wanted to use um, I'd initially wanted to use kind of uh, the idea of um, paranormal. Mm. And uh, but I, I actually the truth of the matter is I went to see a show in Paris and it was absolutely amazing. I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, and it was kind of. They'd already done it. So oh, as soon as I saw okay. that show, yeah. uh, they, they they weren't dealing with truth per se, but they d dealt with the idea of paranormal the yeah. way I'd like to. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that now. What am I going to do? Because that happens at times, you know. Yes. And uh, so I was reading. I opened the Liberation. And I saw that there was an article on this new book, a, a study by a French sociologist called Arnaud Esquer, and he'd written a book called. Uh, 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 theory des événements extraterrestres, which is theory of extra theory of extraterrestrial events, and basically he um, did this very interesting study of uh, UFO sighting reports, and uh, he got his UFO sighting reports from this uh, this kind of subgroup of the National um, Center for Space Studies uh, in France, which is called JPAN. Uh, which was the group for Japan uh, is a group uh, group for study and investigation of unidentified flying objects. Yeah. And basically, what happens in France is if since uh, like since the fifties or since the I'd say fifties, um, if you has, uh, have see a UFO, you call the police and or the you know or, or, yeah or the authorities and they put you in touch with Japan now the name Japan has changed over the years but it's all always basically been the same thing and then they study your case and they interview you they look at the you know the night sky the night you saw what you saw so they study every aspect of this case the angle that you were looking at the sky what you saw blah blah and um, then after they've investigated the case, they categorize your your um, report into one of four groups. Well, it's actually, I think it's five. It's basically A, group A, B, C, D, or uh, uh, D1. And depending on how likely your sighting was uh, a UFO or not. And so if it was... 
uh, absolutely not a UFO, they'd put it in Group A. And then D1, D, D1 and D2, I think it is, are, are like most definitely UFOs that, you know, they can't prove that it wasn't a UFO. So it's a fascinating uh, arch, uh, archive. And this archive is public and you can go online and find it. And uh, all of the case histories are absolutely there. Um, and so I suppose this became really interesting. And so I decided to get in touch with Arno Esquerre and speak to him about it. And he's, you know, he's this incredibly successful sociologist that's, that's written all these books. And I thought oh, he's never going to want to speak to me. But he got in touch with me straight away. And we had, you know, we, we, we met and had some meetings and he was really excited by the idea of me creating this piece. Now, the piece is inspired by his book in the sense that I love what he was doing with it, but I kind of appropriated the theme because uh, so Arnau is studies these cases. Uh, basically, he kind of does a linguistic analysis of, of, of certain case studies of UFO sighting reports. And um, basically the language that people use. So if I'm telling you a story and I want to and I want to convince you that it's true. The language that I use will change depending on whether I believe it's true or not. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, for example, um, if, if I'm telling you something that happened to me today and it really happened, I tend to be chronological yes. in the way I explain it. So, you know, I walked down the street then the bus came along then I got on the bus and then, you know, the fire started or something like that. So there's, it's always chronological. If you start to mess with the chronology of a story and make it slightly more literary, it tends to be there tends to be much, much less possibility that the, the story is actually true. Oh, yeah. So it's 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 a very very fascinating um, book because uh, you you read about all, all of these nuances and details in in telling stories that are fundamentally true or not true. And so that's why he used these UFO sighting reports. And he's not putting into question whether they saw UFOs or they didn't see the UFOs or whether UFOs exist or they don't exist. He's putting into question whether they believe what they're telling is true or not. So that was a very interesting thing. And that's how I started my research on the whole thing. And it kind of took off from there. Yeah, it was, like you said, linguistic analysis and mm -hmm. there are patterns there, and like I said, I really like this idea of chronological representation to give the best details to a person. Uh, you are caring with your story, you are paying attention, and like you said, we have other uh, opposite perspective when you are trying to romanticize the story. And uh, When you're trying to romanticize, yeah. but also there's things like... Um there's things like the way you describe the geography uh, within the story, the geographical setting of the story, the way you describe noises and sounds, the way that there are certain patterns that repeat themselves uh, to be emphatic or, you know, to emphasize certain points. All of these things are kind of very interesting uh, markers as to the veracity of what you're explaining. 
And that is what actually drawn my attention to this piece. And I think I was uh, in Cork Opera House speaking programs in April or May of this year. And I'm listening mm -hmm. through the shows, you know, and I see extraterrestrial events. Hmm, that sounds interesting. And then I uh, look into the description text and I was blown away that you actually took the Japan. And I'm telling you that because uh, back in December 2006, I actually interviewed the head of Japan at the time, which was Mr. Jacques Patenet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. they were just preparing to release uh, the UFO documents and statistics on the website. And it was an exclusive interview at the time because the announced uh, release uh, of documents happened several months after that. And that is when the mainstream media uh, captured the news worldwide. So I had that information several months before the big release. And I, that is what I immediately connected and drew me to, to your uh, piece. And I actually checked from t of today, for example, they have 2,564 cases, which is the total of all categories that they are uh, collecting. So on the website, they are listing uh, four categories of cases. Category A uh, stands for completely identified phenomena. Category B stands for probably identified phenomena. Category C represents uh, unidentified phenomena, but due to the lack of data, so it can go either way. And category D uh, stands for unidentified phenomena, but after the complete investigation. Class A, which is, like you said, completely identified cases, there are currently 479, and these are that you analyzed and that you adapted to a piece. And in your research and evaluation of these cases that you were preparing for your uh, dance piece, have you ever tried to consider maybe classification D, which are completely unidentified cases that could also give premise for a show, or you already had a skeleton and the book and that is the reason why you went into that direction for classification well, a well i mean within within the book i think he he goes through several classifications but i decided to stick with classification a which were the classification that you know had been totally identified yes because i didn't want to get into the argument of is it real or is it not real or what's you know uh i wanted to be just quite clear that there was a sense of denial that was going on with um, the the main character of the piece, who's Kim Sheehan. She's this uh, amazing opera singer, this coloratura soprano that 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 is the main character of the piece. And so, yes, absolutely, you, you could have we could have used anything, but um, I wanted to use a type of language. I wanted to use. Um, I just wanted to use things that that weren't questionable actually and and even even having said that that doesn't mean that they weren't there it just means that it it was an easier kind of mental decision for me not to have to play with uh too much ambiguity because there's already a lot of ambiguity in the piece and in the sense of is it real or is it not so i just didn't want the stories to, to take it in in too much of a uh, uh, that direction as well I also because um because for me the piece is about truth or um I'll tell you what it is it's about um that the gray area between truth and falsity mm. uh is fascinating for me 
and that I think sometimes we see the world as a black and white place. It can either be one thing or the other. And it's not. It's very, very complex. There's lots of gray areas. And so um, so even though these case studies that I used were cases that had been completely identified for the main character, that's not particularly clear. Um, I, so uh, one of the first case studies that I used um, was a study that um, uh, they found out it was actually the moon. I think people were freaking out when they saw it. And there was a funny light that night. And from the angle that they looked, they were convinced they were seeing something in the sky. And yes, one of the pieces is devoted to that case. It is called the uh, moon scene. And besides the moon case, you also have uh, other cases, uh, right? The second, uh, the second case study that I used was, um, was probably about 90% of all the cases, which were lights in the sky. And uh, they were actually disco lights in the sky. So, you know, in like rural discos, yes. when they <laughs> yeah. put those laser lights up into the sky, this drives in, in Japan, I'd say 90% of class A were disco lights. Like every weekend in France, when there's a disco, people are calling the police going, oh my God, there's something in the sky. And, you know, and, and, and this was interesting for me. Uh, I think the way I chose my, I went through 400, I think I went to, yeah, the 470 or 446 cases, I think at the time there were. And, um, I, I, I chose four. Um, and I chose them kind of choreographically in a spatial sense. So I think the first piece I chose was uh, the moon. The second were these lights in the sky that are kind of geographically slightly or spatially closer. Um, then there was a fascinating thing, a fascinating case, which was a frozen blue thing. Oh, yeah. Which this woman came out of her, um, like heard this noise on the top of her car and came out into the street, uh, out onto the street to see what what had happened. And there was this blue crystal that had landed on her car and it had broken up and it was melting all over the place. And so she put it in the plastic bag and she put it in the freezer and she brought it to the police who got in touch with Japan and they did some analysis. And it turned out to be um, from an aeroplane. So it was human waste that had dropped yes. from an aeroplane. And apparently this is quite quite a common thing. Yeah, yeah, they didn't, is, they don't, it normally doesn't land on your car. Yeah, <laughs> there is even Wikipedia page about it. Yeah, I also checked. <laughs> so it's, it seems it happens. That's great. And extraterrestrial events, a dance opera choreographed by Phil Conaton, music by Michael Gallen, and songs are performed by Kim Sheehan. I think Kim is also uh, playing sort of a composite character, right? There are many different characters through her uh, singing. Well, I suppose the thing is, in the space of an uh, you know an hour or fifty minutes, I think the piece is. Um, that she's going through all of these emotions mm. and um, she's kind of, and it's this operatic music and she's this incredible singer who's danced and uh, who's sung, I mean, in the, in the great opera houses all over the world. And she's from Cork, Kim is a uh, you know, Cork native, but she's a superstar. She really is. And um, so she's, she's got this amazing voice and she's telling these kind of quite banal stories to this very, very, dramatic operatic music and there was a moment when when i was kind of creating it 
that I kind of thought, wow, this is kind of crazy. All of these emotions that this lady is going through. And, you know, the stories aren't particularly that exciting because I didn't want them to be. I wanted them to kind of be mundane in a way. I didn't want them to be kind of Steven Spielberg, you know, UFO stories. Um, And actually, I was with my mother and my mother now has dementia. She's quite advanced dementia. And uh, I was with her one day and... And she was telling me some she was kind of telling me all sorts of stories because her 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 you know her brain kind of shifts from one thing to the next and it's kind of in the past and then it's somewhere else and it's somewhere else and then it's in the present and and I was talking to her and she was telling me all of these stories but really dramatizing them in a very interesting way and I thought oh you know what that's okay that's this is what the piece is this is this makes perfect sense and um uh I think I, I could um, I could make sense of the, the the drama of the drama for for the individual. Yet, as a, as as somebody that's listening to the story, you could kind of think, why are you why are you being so dramatic about this? But of course, if you're living it, if you're living this experience, it could be very uh, it can be it can be whatever it needs to be for you. I don't know if that's particularly clear or if I'm making sense with that, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a great direction to, to go in. And even the premise is absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to see it. And like Tardigrade, it's a multidisciplinary work piece, right? You it's, actually it's, have the same team and the... I have the, the same audience. team. I have Michael Gallen is back again with his incredible comp- uh, composing. Uh, Kim Sheehan, we've got four in incredible dancers. I perform also... And, uh, yeah, and it's a very, very exciting, it's a very exciting piece. We, you know, it's sold out in Paris, it's sold out in Dublin. Uh, do you uh, have some other piece in mind or for now you will stick to this one and then you will see later? Um, well, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm working on an, uh, another piece, which is, is called um, Assisted Solo. And that's going to be a very exciting piece with a very exciting cast. And it's kind of autobiographical. Uh, but it's, it's, it's still dealing scientifically, I suppose, with wow. ideas of a multidimensional space. And now in the last uh, section of this episode, I will delve into my archives from 2000, where I interviewed uh, General Ricardo Bermudez over email for Creation Magazine. Our subject was the works of CEFA, official body for UFO investigations in Chile. So I will read you the part of his uh, email, his replies to my uh, questions about the mandate and the history of UFO research there. The email is from October 24, 2000, and in that email, General Bermudez writes, Dear Mr. Giuliano, CEFA was created in October 1997 to collect evidence of UFO sightings produced in the nation's airspace with the goal of determining, on the basis of serious, objective and scientific analysis, if these phenomena have meant any risk to the security of aerial operations. This year, from March 27 to April 2, 2000, the International Air and Space Fair FIDAI 2000, was held in Chile. 
It is one of the world's uh, largest aeronautical shows organized every two years by the Chilean Air Force, FAH, at Santiago's Los Carrillos Airport. A series of UFO events took place during four consecutive days at that International Air and Space Fair, including a press conference, a closed workshop, and two-day symposium titled UFO, Analysis, Investigations, and Perspectives for the New Millennium. It was open to all attendees of the expo. Chilean Air Force paid and took care of all the logistical details for the four international speakers, Jean-Jacques Velasco, head of French Space Agency UFO Bureau, at the time called SEPRA, Dr. Richard Hines, the well-known NASA scientist, by the way, Dr. Hines is very known in the field as the head of NARCAP, respected uh, body that collects uh, reports from pilots about the incidents of unidentified aerial phenomena. I'm continuing with the email. Remaining speakers were Spanish best-selling author J.J. Benitez, and J. Antonio Juenos, scientific journalist from New York. The UFO events were sponsored by Chilean Air Force, and they were organized and directed by CEFA with the full backing of Directorate of Civil Aviation. A few words about conclusions of the workshop panel. The workshop had the general goal of knowing the new theories, criteria and scientific tools applicable to the study of anomalous aerial phenomena. The panel recognized that the anomalous aerial phenomena is real and the UFO incident is a more specific and rare event. The definitions, theories and studies so far undertaken have failed to solve the many unknowns and the possibility of meaningful progress in the study of the phenomena are greater now than in previous times. The group finally makes an energetic call to international cooperation at the level of governments and institutions to contribute in the exchange of data and experiences, to strengthen significantly the possibility of finding answers to the unknowns Accurately presented by the phenomenon. On the other hand, CEFA is processing an agreement protocol with SEPRA of France and compromise of mutual cooperation with NIDS, which stands for National Institute for Discovery Science of USA. Uh, some of you will know that NIDS is now defunct uh, organization that was created at the time by Robert Bigelow, who was also a big part of the recent AATIP Pentagon UFO story. I'm continuing with the email. Finally, during three years of CEFA's existence, we have collected 79 reports, which only seven of them are being analyzed carefully, still without conclusive results. The actual committee's denomination is Committee de Estudios de Fenomenos Aeros Anomalos, CEFA, which stands in English for Committee for the Studies of Anomalous Aerial Phenomenon, and it depends on the Dirección General de Aeronautica Civil, General Administration of Civil Aeronautics, DGAAC, the CEFA is attached to the Escuela Tecnica Aeronautica, ETA, Aeronautical Technical School, and its director, General of the Air Force, Ricardo Bermudez Sancheza is the president. The retired air traffic controller, Gustavo Rodriguez Navarro, is the executive secretary, and they are both permanent members. Regarding internal advisors, professors of the Aeronautical Technical School, there is a geophysical one, Carlos Lariva, 
and a sociologist, Dagoberto Benitez. Regarding external advisors, they don't belong to aeronautical technical school. We have a psychiatrist, Mario Dussel, an electric engineer, Andres Bravari, a physicist in space plasma, Marina Stepanova, an analyst of images, Jose Fort, two correspondents, Raul Gallardo and Pablo Henriquez, and two collaborators, Luis Riquelme and Jose Lai. We wish you a lot of success in your next month's publication. We will try to include a picture of CEFA members. Sincerely, Ricardo Bermudez Sancheza, General of Air Brigade, Director ATA, President of CEFA. And these are the two pictures that were included for me at the time for the article. One picture presents CEFA members and another picture presents uh, CEFA's reunion. I'll put a link to these two pictures in the description of this episode, especially for audience who is listening this episode through the podcast services and not to the YouTube where you can actually see the images right now. If you are seeking for additional references and sources regarding this workshop in Chile that was organized uh, in 2000, I can direct you to two uh, very good sources. One is an article of Antonio Juenos that was published in Fate magazine in July 2000. And the article is called Ufology Goes Official in Chile. And another uh, source is a very prominent uh, email journal that was very popular back in the 90s. It was called CNI News. And this is volume 6, number 1, part 3, released uh, on March 1st, 2000. It was written by Michael Lindemann, who was also the editor of that journal. And the article is called the Chilean Air Show to Discuss UFOs. If you want to learn more about the French uh, official UFO research, I can direct you to two uh, books. One is by Leslie Kane. It's a New York Times bestseller titled UFOs, Generals, Pilots and Government Officials Go on the Record. And another book is UFOs and Government, A Historical Inquiry. And you can also learn more about that book in my fifth episode in my interview with Robert Powell. And you can find it also in the archives of my podcast show. Additional interview with Jacques Patanet you can also see in very respected documentary by James Fox, I Know What I Saw. So I can definitely encourage you to explore uh, these sources uh, further. And I hope that these interviews gave you additional insight about the history and background of these official uh, projects. At the time, these were actually one of the first interviews with heads of Japan and CEFA. There was not a lot uh, in international media in that stage. Thank you once again for your attention and there will be more to come. See you on another episode of UFO Radio International.